Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Miller Dirty Harry Miller Dirty Harry Miller Podcast Dirty Harry Miller Podcast Every penny's worth Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, the only podcast in the world to review every minute of that 1971 Warner Brothers classic, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, John, and as ever, I'm joined with usual co-host, Trent. Hello. And our third co-host missing, Trent, Tim. He is, and we, we can, we've just had confirmation that uh, his wife has just given birth to a, a baby. Not to a <laughs> kidney stone or anything like that, but like, you know. Yes, so congratulations to Tim and Susie. Yes. Um, exciting news. Uh, we've been waiting for, I think, 24 hours now to see what the outcome was because there was a bit of radio silence. So, very exciting. <laughs> and what gender is it? I don't know. So, it's either a Harriet or a Harold if it's a boy after mm-hmm. Dirty Harry, I'm assuming. And maybe we'll get to see Tim in maybe 18 years or yeah, something. something like that. And today we are joined by two lovely guests. First, our recurring guest, Evelyn. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. You excited? Yes, very excited. I love this movie. Every minute you come in, you have to talk about Scorpio, this maniacal killer. <laughs> Why do I have to talk about Scorpio? Well, that's just the way it's ended up. Oh, yeah, I have had a lot of Scorpio moments, haven't I? You have. Um, and this is a particular delicious moment with Scorpio. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to dissecting it with you all. And we are joined by newcomer Ange Lavoie-Pierre. Hello. 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 Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for joining us out of your busy comedy schedule. Thanks for uh, uh, <laughs> bullying me into watching this film, which I t- turns out I very much enjoyed. <laughs> and we are joined remotely by friend and also performer, actor. We have Jane Watt. Yes, we do. Hey, team. Now, have you seen this movie? Let's be honest. Any um, of it before. What would be the appropriate answer? Because the real answer is no. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. It's allowed. I did diligently watch my minute, though. Thank you. Over and over again. So I have some serious themes to discuss. <laughs> Thank you very much. We, are, of course, are talking about Minute 68. The minute begins with a close-up of Scorpio's panic-filled face and ends with a nude woman being pulled out of a hole in the ground. What did you think of this minute, Ange? Well, it's kind of like there's. It is like it wasn't a bad minute for Jane to come in on because it's kind of a, there's a lot going oh, yes. on here, right? Um, in particular, I think I was really blown away by that shot where they zoom out oh, yeah. and they really yeah. take their sweet time with it. Like it takes forever, and you kind of wonder how much of the budget went on that one moment um but you're grateful for it as well i think it's kind of emblematic of a lot of the things that the thing that i found really uh surprising about the film because it feels schlocky and cliched in so (laughs) many ways but i think that's only because it has been mimicked and imitated so much that it formed all the tropes in this genre and watching it i think it's a really you know, the experience of watching it now from 2019 is you see a film that's blended with all these schlocky moments and like what feel like cliche moments. And then these very like 
arty, very well-directed, very mm. beautiful moments, and that is one of them. There's, like, zooming backwards. You agree, Jane? Your thoughts? I do indeed. I, I was thrilled by that, the, the, the big zoom out. I also have that thing where, like, I realise now in the world that drones exist where everyone's got a fucking drone and, like, you know, you can anyone can create those kinds of things is that thinking of the era when they didn't exist and that people were actually doing these with helicopters and that I have just a thousand times more respect when, when thinking about the fact that an entire helicopter was involved to create that shot, um, which is funny because I saw on a note somewhere that it said that that shot, am I allowed to say this, that the shot was, in fact, filmed backwards? Yes, that's right, in reverse, yeah. The helicopter uh. came out and, ca- and and zoomed in, and when I read that, I rewatched the scene, and you can actually see that his jacket and his pants are actually flapping because of the proximity of the helicopter and the wind. Yeah, very and I was like, oh! But yeah, the, the wind kind of adds to it, doesn't it? I mean, it makes it even more terrifying in a weird way. I don't know why. I did think, because, uh, uh, you know, as said, I didn't, I didn't watch the film, but so this guy is in a field, clearly, a sports field, and he's having a hard time, but he is very strange. I don't know anything about this character, but I don't find him scary at all. He was like, he was making strange noises and like, he kind of reminded me like the Hamburglar for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, yes. I don't know. Rubble, rubble. <laughs> He's got, like, a high-pitched little bo- voice. I was like, relax, bro. He just needs the, the eye mask and the stripey outfit. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Is he wearing a turtleneck shirt? <laughs> yeah. It's the Seriously, he's got, like, a round face. I was like, bro, you're from the 90s? <laughs> now, for those more literate amongst us, does anyone buy or like oh the, the, the the archangel Michael, like St. George, and that he's slaying the dragon from that shot? Or is that is that overreaching a bit there? Oh. Yeah, interesting. St. Harry. Because he's, like, stepping on his leg and kind of bearing over the top of him, and the St. George is stepping on the dragon's neck. Is that a thing? Is that a thing that you see? That's right. And, of course, he's a Scorpio. The character is a scorpion. He's some sort of serpent. Oh. Do you like that, Evelyn? <laughs> Reptile, insect. Reptile, yeah. Um, I love this moment mostly because it's that moment in the film where Harry's got the killer mm. and that's why that sweeping shot, it's such a big deal because it's that moment where he's like, I've got him. I What I love about this film and watching Clint Eastwood is that li- literally everything else has to work like double, triple over time to emote because his face refuses to. <laughs> so like this, yeah, this shot is like is it, it is quite emotive because you kind of like you really get the stakes and and it has this kind of like classical art quality. Like you feel like they could be cast in marble right now. It could mm. be like in a museum in Paris. That like pose that they're doing and like Colosseum as well. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, but then if you look at his face, it isn't doing a lot <laughs> everything else about this film has to is is compensating for Clint Eastwood's well, face Scorpio is <laughs> overacting a lot in this scene he's a I, Warner I, Brothers I, cartoon it's a Warner Brothers movie he's, <laughs> he's like a Looney Tune yeah I feel like maybe that's why the Hamburglar is overdoing it a bit also I love the blood <laughs> on his leg also what happened to his pants <laughs> when did that get split open Oh, Jane's intrigued. I should probably watch the rest of the film. Yeah. You yeah. uh. find out what happens to his pants in an earlier minute. So oh, really? Know. Shit! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was just 
I was just just boggled by the the, the black turtleneck. <laughs> I think the cardigan over the turtleneck really finishes the outfit. It really completes it. I just hate to see, because Scorpio has great outfits, I just hate to see those outfits brought so low. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't his finest outfit. He's, He's worn better. The, yeah. the shirt with the turtleneck. And- Great, with a cardigan. He really is, like, wonderful with a cardigan. It's just hard that he got caught in that specific difficult moment in that outfit as well, you know what I mean? Like, you never want to be caught in a shitty outfit when you're in, like, you know, peak terror mode or, like, you get arrested or something, you go to hospital, you're like, I didn't mean to wear this, not this one. This is how you'll be remembered forever. Do you like Clint's eyes, Trent? Mm. That bit, I can't pause well, it. The most acting he does in the entire they're, movie. They're his version of Roger Moore's eyebrow, really, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. They're yeah, his yeah. primary, you know, if he's pissed off, like you know, Roger Moore's. Mm. I love the little bit of skin that's just flaking off yeah. his cheek there. That's impressive. Like, I know that, like, when they do this makeup stuff, it's just craft cheese mm. and they just stick to their faces, but whoever did, did that work did an excellent job. Did an excellent job. You know, it didn't even occur to me because I don't watch that much film, it didn't occur to me that that was fake. Like, oh, he's injured. He went tripped over before the scene. And- yeah, I don't know, man. He's pretty... Because movies are like, real life. I feel like he'd be pretty invested. He'd be pretty method, right? Yeah, he'd probably just scrape his face ag- yeah. against the ground just to get that realistic... Had some time with Like, scrape on his chin. Yeah. Evelyn, I've got that part in the minute where I read out a nice, delicious quote, yeah? Okay. It's true. Kizar Stadium scene is the only point in the movie to seriously question Callahan's methods, even his sanity. By turning away from the scene of torture, Siegel, the director, challenges the audience to question Clint's methods and even indicts them for failing to question Harry beforehand to this point. Hmm. That's why the camera is symbolically, you know, it's fog. Pulling so it's, away. Yeah. Is that heavy-handed uh, symbolism, Trent or Jane? The, the, the symbolism of the fog being murky. This is, uh, we're not quite sure of Harry. It's murky area, murky ground. I guess it's kind of, I find it difficult because, I mean, I was expecting some sort of torture scene with, like, you know, someone strapped to a chair and with, like, thumb screws and shit yeah. like that. And then I guess just because these days in films, I guess you see violence so much more that just a casual, like, foot on his knee, I'm like, oh, he's all right. He'll be right. That's not torture. He's just giving him a nudge. Well, he just shot him, so there's a bit oh, of torture yeah, going well, on, actually. But. I, I actually, I also don't buy that that's the only moment in the film that you're directed to question his sanity and his professionalism. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There are so m- many moments in the film. Like, I think just a couple of minutes later, like a few minutes later, I don't, I don't know if we're talking about it, but there's, you know, this moment where he's like, well, the law is crazy. <laughs> and it's like, is it man? Like, isn't that kind of what you're all about? And yeah. like, if that's kind of, that's how you feel, like you sort of have this, you know, hyperactive law and order um, muscle in your brain, then maybe you're not the world's most professional cop. I don't know. Also, I'm flashing back to that moment where he was being the peeping Tom yeah. in that yeah, totally. laneway scene. Yeah. Like, he shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's not, he's he's definitely stepped over the bounds yeah. of what's Are we ethically- selling this movie to you, Jane? <laughs> peeping oh, Tom. listen, we got peeping Toms. We got all things good. Yeah, I'll line it up, line it up. I f- yeah, I feel like they, they paint him from the start as like, and I guess it's easy to see him 
it's easy to see him this way just because of everything else you've seen Clint Eastwood in, but like as the proverbial cowboy, right? Like he's the like, oh, like all you squares don't really know how the law works. I want to yeah. protect children, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you know, and he'll do anything. He'll do what it takes. I don't know what that voice is, by the way. <laughs> I'll buy it. Thank you. I bought it. <laughs> well, that's the whole Dirty Harry. That's why he's Dirty Harry because he, he does what, he, what it takes and he's willing to – to step over the line to get the job done. Frankly, no one in this film has any real professionalism except the DA. Right. The DA is like yeah. that that and the judge that they have in the room. They're like that evidence totally isn't admissible. They're the two most frustrating characters in it as well, really, because they're the the ones that do their job. Do their job. That's what I mean. And because they're, you know, they're the barrier to Harry getting shit done. Yeah, and 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 you're kind of I feel like you're being positioned in the film. Like it's such a smart film in so many ways, but then it also sort of positions you to hate them and be like, "Nah, nerds are stopping yeah. like stopping <laughs> justice being done." But like literally everyone else is so bad at their job. So mm-hmm. so bad at their job, including the mayor. Scorpio's pretty good at his job, isn't he? Scorpio's good at his job. I don't know how you measure professionalism in a serial killer, but... Scorpio's not doing very well in the one minute that I've seen, so... (laughs) Can't be that good at his job. Yeah. Well, what about the observation that this is the moment in the movie, Jane, where Scorpio and Harry sort of become moral equivalents? Um, You know, there's evil personified by Scorpio and there's rage against evil, like righteous anger by Harry. But at the end of the day, that's the same, you know, they're just as as bad as each other. I guess so. I guess so, in a sense. Well, I mean, taking this minute out of any context at all, you know, who's the baddie in this scene? You know, I I see one guy lying on the ground saying, you tried to kill me, don't do any more, please. He had his hands up when the guy shot him. Harry shot him right in the front and he had his hands up, you know. All signs point is Scorpio being the victim is all I'm having to say. Team. You're such a nerd, Jane. Justice would never be done with Listen. you in the picture. <laughs> Scorpio's my friend. I feel sorry for him. He's having a hard time. He said, please don't shoot me. And then he bloody shot him anyway. <laughs> and he said, you know, he says, oh, I need a lawyer. I need a lawyer. He's trying to remind him in that moment. Yeah, he's reading his own rights to him. You should be saying this to me. You should be playing by the, the liberal small L rule book and give me my rights. Listen, I'm pro it. (laughs) Scorpio's getting hard done by. He's got a hard rap in this film. Another reviewer is also comparing this to the Trent, the the Mount Davidson cross scene Mm. where the roles are reversed. And they were talking about how they're similar in that they both, each of them torture each other in, in, um, in locations that they're dwarfed by monuments where people are supposed to be together. People are supposed to be at the cross praying empty symbols here. It's an empty uh, Coliseum an empty, the empty place of American competition. They're dwarfed by these these architectural monuments, and they they both torture each other in the same way. Is Evelyn? Well, you can see it. I mean, they've got both got a very similar feel, don't they? Mm-hmm. In a lot of respects. Well, it's only really fair that Harry torture him after making him run around town for like yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I like that you've equated jogging with torture. There, <laughs> uh, I guess some people would maybe dispute that. I'm not sure that jogging's sort of specified in the Geneva well, he Convention. Didn't have a but... lot of time to do it, you know. He was a bit rushed, and it was a bit unfair. I thought so. You know, a girl's life was on the line. I don't want to be too flippant about torture, Trent. In this age, we've got. You know, Bolsonaro. I'll do it. I'll, I'll be I'll be flipping about torture. You guys avoid that and I'll just run right at it. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? But, but 
for later minutes, couldn't Harry just say, what, torture? I mean, he's just, just stamping on his leg. I mean, it's like we're talking before the phone books. They could, oh, I didn't torture him. Yeah. No, but why Why doesn't... Harry shoots him in that moment before. With that cannon. Right. Why doesn't he finish the job there and then? If he's so much about breaking the rules, why doesn't he break that rule oh, there and then? Because he needs to know where the girl is, doesn't he? Let's be honest. That girl was <laughs> no, dead. That girl was dead. Yeah, if, yeah. if somebody makes you go on a wild yeah. goose chase around the city and is asking for money and they don't want to tell you where the girl is and then right in that moment the guy is still refusing to say where the girl is, he should have just gone, all right, well, fuck you <coughs> and pop a cap in his ass. So mm. that's, that's all I'm thinking. Or maybe turns out maybe Harry's a bit of a sook. You know, <laughs> I think you're onto something. Yes, I think we should give that feedback direct to Clint Eastwood. Like, I put it to you. That That's your character. been my one takeaway. Harry's a mad sook. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can move on. We can move on with this stadium scene, Trent. Anything else you want to add? No, I mean, uh, that shot is sensational and it's all being covered. I I just love the dissolve into the mist there. Play misty for me, Trent. That's a a clam break. (laughs) It's a little segue, isn't it? Well, moving on, Evelyn, to the next part. Um, Bloody Golden Gate Bridge. That's right. There's some lovely bird song we hear in the background. Which one is it? It's Harry's theme. We hear this at the end of the movie when he quits the... The little Rhodes piano again, Trent. Mm. Harry, uh, Don, uh, Lalo Schifrin, who wrote the music, said he wanted the theme of Harry to be sombre and sad. He said, it's sad, but I tried to make it cool sad. It had some pathos. Cool sad, yeah. Cool sad, but it's not hysterical. Which is a close relative of cool dad. <laughs> <laughs> Was that you quoting Lalo with an Argentinian accent at the start and then you just dropped out of the Argentinian accent? Yeah, that's what I planned. <laughs> I mean, cool sad is his whole vibe. Cool sad actually perfectly encapsulates this shot that we're sort of looking at here, right? That um, he's like, he always like cuts this beautiful figure. Um, but, and you never really understand. I don't feel like they ever really properly explain why it is that he's so damn sad, which is why it's mm. kind of hard to invest in his sadness and actually feel that from you. Like, oh, I get that you're like broken and tragic somehow, but it's really not obvious why. Like, okay, you get like dead wife. Yeah. You get, Very, you get, um, always get. Oh, the has he got a job. dead wife? Oh, you did not know? He does. Yeah, dead wife. Oh, God, classic. That'll really send a protagonist on his quest. Oh, won't it just? <laughs> just kill a girl at the start of the film. Oh, quick, quick. <laughs> quick, i got to find stuff. That's how it works. And we actually don't, like, is there any more detail than that? I'm just trying to think. Like, It's fleshed out a little bit in sequels, but not in any great no, way. No, not yeah. that I remember. In the novelization, he married a secretary. They were married for six months and divorced. So they've sort of changed that. Ah. But in this, he... she. So in the novelization, they were kind of more going for dead inside. Yes, that's right. Whereas in the film, <laughs> in the film, they're going for like, you know, still cool waters sad. run deep. <laughs> cool, cool sad. sad. Still waters. Yeah. Cool sad. Uh, a plot question, Evelyn. You reckon as soon as Scorpio said, all right, she's at the Golden Gate Bridge. He just left. Do you reckon he left Scorpio there or he put him in handcuffs and do you reckon he fled straight out here or? Like. Harry it Harry. looks like this is a few hours after mm. Harry has caught Scorpio because it looks like it's about dawn-ish. Yep. Most um, of the movie's pitch black night or dark, so this is somewhat unusual. This is good because I can see what's going on normally in dark movie scenes. I'm like, 
squinting. It's because I'm old. Um, but I just, yeah, it's a few hours later. I reckon they probably, because was it the, the fat cop, Linguini, was there at the stadium? We said no fat shaming, right? Sorry, sorry. To Georgia. The uh, I, I didn't say it. It's just a little bit fluffy, a little bit cuddly. Um, what's his name? Because he, he's like, when they were like trying to bolt over the fence, he's like, yeah. I can't, I'm full of Linguini. <laughs> so he's oh, now Linguini. Really? Was that supposed to be a gag? That was such a weird thing. It's like, <laughs> like, is that? Oh, that's the 1971 in this film. I see what's I going on I just love here. this. I can't, sorry, I can't join you. I just ate a whole heap of pasta. So um, he was there, so he probably called everyone else in and they've mm. uh, arrested him. I reckon I reckon they stood there for a while torturing um, Scorpio's leg and then cut to this. So I don't know, though, if Scorpio actually told them where the girl was. I feel like he wouldn't have because then that would have been an admission that yeah. that would have been confessing the crime. And when he catches when he catches him in the field, mm. he's, he's asking for a lawyer. He's not admitting to anything. So that's why there's no evidence. If, if he confessed, then mm. it would be in close cut case but it's not jane yeah if this was filmed today i find it hard to believe the script wouldn't have harry like literally pulling the girl out of the manhole do you think or like why is he removed why is he he's not willing to we've seen him with in previous minute you haven't seen there was a uh, african-american kid that was killed and he went up there but here he he maintains his distance why do you think the the screenwriters have made him up on the hill not with with the oh, because i don't know maybe he's like He's noble and he, you know, he's, he's out to solve the crimes, but he's not going to get his hands, hands dirty. He's not that dramatic that he has to pull her out. So long as he finds her, so long as he gets to the bottom of things, you know, and then he'll leave the, the business up to the pigs. They'll pull her out of the hole. I wonder if it's because it's, they make him so cool and detached and you kind of can't like pull a dead woman or a dead girl out of a hole in the ground and not emote like maybe yeah, he just exactly. didn't have the range <laughs> i don't know no, i mean that but maybe it was the- his choice he was like guys i'm not going to be able to pull this off it's going to require some emoting and i'm not <laughs> capable of doing that so i'm going to stare at this bridge while you guys pull that girl out of that drain <laughs> um but also i think the character you know the steeliness of the character might have been compromised by like the proximity to that kind of tragedy yeah I don't know. Yeah. I think it endows him with a bunch of status, definitely, you know, because he, yeah, is leaving it to, for everyone else to do and he's the one that sorted it, else, sorted it out, but he won't, doesn't necessarily have to do the dirty work. Um, but it's also I in the, the bit where he the, the police officer's pulling her out of the drain, I could not help but notice that, like, the police officers are actually having a really hard time. <laughs> you notice that? And one of the police officers, the police officer who's in there pulling her out, she gets dragged above his head and it, like, her her body knocks his hat off and then he has to put his hat back on frantically and then go over and, like, tuck her in. But, like, three of them had to get her out. That shovel looks a bit unnecessary, that long one. Yeah, I know. Why didn't they need a shovel for? She's in a drain. <laughs> They'd overdress this set, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> But what's with that guy standing there doing nothing as well in the front with his hands behind his back? Like, mate, do something. Oh, H&S. 
<laughs> he's making sure no one yeah. else he's making sure no one falls in the drain no other hats fall off he just told that guy to bend his knees when lifting yeah. <laughs> I also just like I also think that these days a shot like that of just like a naked female corpse being pulled out of a drain surrounded by like ten men is also something yeah. else that you would just not necessarily see on screen today as much like you can't no. necessarily get away with like oh we pulled out a beautiful woman out of a hole I hadn't even thought about I mean, I thought about the full frontal nature of, but I hadn't even thought about the fact that it's ten men, like all, all yeah, oh, yeah, unnecessarily t- that many of them around, yeah. Mm-hmm. I noticed that at the start when they, I mean, I don't know if this is speaking out of school, talking about another no, minute in ahead. such detail, but I'm at, furious at the very, I know, um, at the very beginning when they, uh, you know, when the woman is shot in the pool, that sort of seems gratuitously sexy as well. I feel like some of the violence is. Um, in subtle ways, sexualized in a way that would and you wouldn't get away with in 2019. Absolutely, and that was the first thing I thought when they pull her out of the drain because it's like full frontal nudity of this woman, and she's quite clearly slim and gorgeous. You know, it's a yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't think I don't think you'd get away with that kind of thing these days. Trent, I'm I'm a bit of a mere male in these situations. Is it obvious that it's a teenage girl? Um, do you think? Well, I don't think so. Like, I think if you came in cold, like Jane what Jane did it's kind of it's not clear if she's like you know in her she could be in her 20s and you you wouldn't be surprised right if you didn't kind of have the context of knowing that she was 14 um yeah and I think it's interesting that they are quite happy to go for gold on this front but really you know the violence like all of a sudden get coy about showing the yeah. Torture scene, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's sort of feels uh, asymmetrical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. In- it's an interesting time because 1971. You know, like I mean, in Australia, for example, the R certificate had only been around for a year. You know, was, and they'd only been allowed to swear and show nudity and mm. extreme violence here. Um, I know in you know the US and the UK, you know, nudity, for example, uh, blow up uh, Antonioni film was 1966. The first thing to show full frontal female nudity and um it was a weird time when you think about it that they're still trying to sort of be kind of acceptable to sort of the old guard but at the same time trying to be a bit risque and you know i mean the argument is they're pretending to be artful and shit all in the name of you know sorry exploitative in the name of art like i mean i reckon six seven years later possibly wouldn't have been as gratuitous because the novelty had worn off. Oh, geez, we can show naked women shit. Um, yeah, you know, right. And the novelty kind of, you know, maybe it would have been more extreme and more violent. This is definitely the scene that gave it its certificate, I think, Trent. You, you, you reckon? I reckon, yeah. yeah. I reckon some of the violence. The beat up? the leg Yeah, break, yeah. I reckon that definitely would have. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's two. Yeah, there's a few moments that really stand out. This is one of them, and yeah, seeing like the killer's misshapen face mm. is another thing. Thank you. you just yeah. like, I stopped because I was watching. I was actually watching it with someone, and I, I, and he was sort of dozing next to me. I like, <laughs> like shook him awake. I'm like, wake up, look at this misshapen face, <laughs> because it was just that you don't you don't see it all the time. No, and thank God that is. I I totally forgot about that moment, and it is fucking horrific. And hilarious. <laughs> it is pretty hilarious. So just that shot of every family, sorry. Yeah. Uh, just a, a flippant question here. As far as this minute ends where the, the poor Anne-Marie Deacon's being gripped by the two orderlies, if you just saw up to now, would you automatically assume she's dead, Evelyn? Yeah, yeah she's yeah. dead. You tell? Oh, she's daddy bones. Isn't she dead? Is she not she dead? Is. 
At the end of this minute, they haven't put the blanket over. That's all. I just have to oh, pretend we're seen up to no, now. No, I did have a moment of, of hope, but she looks pretty dead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I feel like there'd be a lot more emoting if she wasn't dead. Yeah. I actually think... She looks pretty dead. I mean, with all we've been talking about, I actually think seeing her limp, naked body makes it even more disturbing in, in some respects. It is, you know, in 2019, you look at that and think, shit, you know, that's 10 men standing around. But at the same time, it's like, oh, fuck, like that's... God knows what's happened. I don't want to know what's happened there. Ugh. I, I think if she was clothed, it, yeah, it'd still be disturbing. But yeah, I don't think there's anything too gratuitous about this. It's pretty solemn. Yeah, I don't. I can't find it directly exploitative. I mean, it's not something they would do today, though, is it, Ange? I don't think so. And I think, um, I think even the way that they tilt it, like you've just got the like the way that the bodies held you have the yeah. full yeah, yeah. view of it i think you know there there would be ways to signify it but i mean yeah. also i mean look from a news um perspective you know you don't if you want to show the horror of something you know you maybe do a disservice to the seriousness of what it is you're conveying you know you risk minimizing something if you shy away from f- showing the full horror so there are you know strong arguments for f- in either direction i think I, Trent, I have to be a bit flippant. It's a very solemn conversation, mm-hmm. but this actress is Deborah Lee Scott, who yeah. plays Fackler's wife from Police Academy. Yeah, you're a I've young heard woman. That. That's interesting, isn't it? I uh, think it's her first role. Apparently, they what we we're talking about before, they planned a close-up shot of her, the actress, but um, it was too cold and she was shivering. She was visibly... Um, so, they had to film a long shot, apparently, for that reason. Yeah, right. Oh, God. I just feel so sorry for her. I just keep being like, imagine being that actress. You would be so frigging cold yeah. and you're butt naked on set with just like 15 men standing around and they have to pull your naked corpse out of a drain. At one point, the extras, like, I looked at it and the police officer doesn't know where to put his hands. He's got, like, his hands yeah. on her belly and he quite clearly doesn't want to touch her on the crotch and he's like, oh, freaks out and then gets his hat knocked off. Yeah. <laughs> there we go, yeah. They do it really awkwardly. That's the thing. Like, like they're just trying not to touch where they're not supposed to touch. Yeah, because it looks like they're kind robot. of displaying the body a little bit. Which is kind of nice. They're being respectful. Yes. As, as much as is possible. They're, this um, is easily the most time I've ever spent looking at a <laughs> naked woman. Oh, no, well, a simulated, a simulated <laughs> naked female corpse, I was going to say. Sorry, Evelyn? The more I look at it, because you've just played it back and forth. I swear to God, there's a bit where her she actually moves her arm slightly, like real slightly. Yeah. Cancel the film. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is over. Um, um, of course, Trent, the Anne Mary Deacon, this is vaguely based on the Christ abduction where a woman yes, was that's right. left um, underground in a, in a box and I think God. she was rescued in time, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so, just. Unlike the copycat case in Germany in the 80s where some leaves clogged in the induction she died. Oh, so it's based on the Christ abduction, um, which I think is what you may remember, Evelyn, that song Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz. There's a oh, verse that goes, yeah. I'm a peace-loving decoy ready for retaliation. I changed the whole occasion to a pine box six under, which I think may be a conflation of, of Anne Mary Deacon. Yeah. I'm a okay. peace love and decoy means Scorpio when he's got the he's got the the peace sign. Can you just do that again. Sorry. I'm a peace love and yeah. decoy. Yeah. I do the rest of the show with like, yeah. that voice. Um, I think she is she the youngest character in this film. No. It's a kid at the start. Yeah. Right? I bet you got the kids on the school bus. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Boy, how did I forget? Oh, sorry. It's been twenty years since I watched it. Um, 
But Mate, it's on Netflix. <laughs> it is on Netflix. But yeah, she she actually passed away a couple of years ago. I was just thinking that a lot of these older guys are still kicking, including Clint. But um, yeah, she died, I think, about 10 years ago. There you go. That's pretty much all I've got for this minute, Jane. I think um, I think we've really we've really nailed this one. I think we've all <laughs> figured it out, solved it. <laughs> I feel um, I feel like we've really um, solved all the issues. We exploited female exploitation <laughs> in film. Um, the Hamburglar. I'm I'm set. I'm satisfied. I, I look forward to watching the rest of the film. Perhaps, perhaps I won't. Who knows? <laughs> Right, well, I think I'll bring this minute to a close. Where can uh, listeners find you, Jane? Where can they search on the Googles? And oh, the- they can find me on uh, Instagram and also I have a little Facebook page. Uh, Instagram, I'm Jane B. Watt, and my Facebook page is Jane Watt. I think I'm also on Twitter, but I don't use it that much, but it's Jane Watt there as well. Talk about um, our web series, Jane. Web series, yes, tell us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ange and I have done an extremely, an, an absurd web series where we play um, character versions of ourselves uh, <laughs> struggling at various endeavours. Struggling's probably a bit generous. Um, and we've got, we've got one little sketch that's out and then we've got another one coming out tomorrow, I believe, which is very exciting, and then another one will come out the following week. The whole series is called Imposters. So, and it's spelt... Incorrectly, kind of as a nod to the nature of it, but also because there's already a TV series called Imposters spelled correctly in the yeah. US, which we found out the hard way. Ah. So, like, maybe we're geniuses by spelling it incorrectly. And I should run away because I have to go get ready for this uh, musical <laughs> that I'm in currently. And will you join us for the next minute? I will join you for the next bit. I do need to check the time, though. Oh, yes, it is quite late. 6.49? 5.49. 5.49, sorry. Yeah. Oh, thank God. You're yeah, heart attack. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, Evelyn, you'll join us for the next minute? Yes, I will. Trent? Yeah, I'll be here. All right. Well, we'll catch you next time on Dirty Harry, Harry Minute. 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 Minute.